Looking at the transfiguration, one thing we're struck with is that not that God plays favorites, but everybody here has a different experience of this situation. Three alone are taken up the mountain, nine are not. Well, they're not any less loved, but they do have a different experience. And that sheds some insight into our own lives. If we look at the Lord's choice over the, the course of the, the three years that are represented in uh, Mark's gospel, we see that when you look at all three gospels plus Acts of the Apostles, you have the, the 12, you have the women who follow around, who are there almost always but not mentioned as often. Then you've got the 75, you've got the, the 500. These show up again after the resurrection of the dead when Christ appeared to 500 at one time. And so he sends out these various groups at different times. And at one point he has so many following him, he turns around and says, if you don't carry your cross, you can't be my disciple, to weed out people that were just following along and didn't understand the implications of it. Yet, yet, in spite of all of that, we find that the majority of the apostles now, their, their words and deeds, what, they, what God's mission for them was after Christ rose is lost to history. And instead, we have essentially St. Paul, who was not one of the twelve, as the thirteenth apostle, and we know more about him than anyone except perhaps Peter. So that's God's choice. Of course, they all had interesting lives, but they're lost until the end of time. Much like our own lives, we close the book and people forget us, as the imitation of Christ says, people will forget us sooner than we think they will, but not to God. Our book will lie open for all eternity, and it will be an interesting library, to be sure. But in this mystery, Jesus leads them to the base of Mount Tabor, and he leaves the nine behind. Nobody knows what's going on, but you'll find these same three at the Garden of Gethsemane being asked to come apart and pray closer to Jesus. Of those three, John will be the first to come back at the cross. Peter will betray him to his face, and James will be one of the first to be martyred. Um, John, the last living one. So we find that as they walk up the mountain, it's, it's a rather... It's a rather high mountain. It takes quite a while to get up there. Um, the first time I went to the Holy Land, we had a bus that went there, and um, they uh, told us, if you'd like to walk up and have the experience, we'll let you off at the base, and the rest of you can take the bus. Guess which one I didn't. <laughs> if there's a seat going up that hill, it's got my name on it, so... I wanted more time in the, in the church. Hey, you know, mountains we have in Oregon. But what happened was really funny because and it's May there, and May is like Los Angeles. It doesn't rain. It's hot. It's getting very hot. It's kind of the low season for, for Holy Land travel. It's cheaper. This freak rain cloud appeared and just drenched them. They, they came up. They had to hide while soaking wet. And as soon as they got to the top, they, the guy said, well, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, unlike the disciples, we made sure and told them what we'd experienced all the way down the, co- down the coast, you know. Look what you missed, blah, blah, blah. But uh, there again, you know, it's funny. Maybe they had a more lasting experience by having gone through that than we who saw the basilica there, after all. So Jesus, uh, in this story, there's a lot of elements that talk about our own journey of faith. We don't have the same experience of God. We're not 
all in an equal relationship with God, and it won't be like that in eternity either. There's a hierarchy in heaven. We see this with the angels. The fallen angels have a hierarchy, even though they're in hell, and so we are destined to take the place of the fallen angels, and the place we will be in is known only to God. Our role is to fulfill God's will in the present moment to the best of our ability. That's all that God asks. It doesn't matter whether we've had an extraordinary experience on Mount Tabor or if we're a humble person that prays and doesn't experience anything. That's even more holy. The less we see, the more opportunities we have to have faith. So it's, it's the precise opposite. All the saints used to say, no matter who you look at, don't, like especially Teresa of Avila, don't seek after the extraordinary gifts. You can be misled very easily. It's much better. Uh, Padre Pio had almost more than anyone in the 20th century. That was a hindrance to his uh, canonization, not a help, because those things have to be judged very carefully. So the nine who were left behind were not the losers for it. More was expected of Peter, James, and John. So they, they, they see Elijah and Moses, the two along with Abraham in the first reading, the three figures of the Old Testament that, are, that really stand out. They represent the law and the prophets. And it, you have this really interesting scene with Jesus in the middle of the, the principal figures of the Old Testament and the New Testament, St. Paul accepted, uh, all together. Two are in eternity, outside of time. Two are in time, and I might add clueless at this point, yet that's the fullness of God's uh, work in humanity, in a sense, all around Jesus. And in the same way as we go through life, those who have gone before us know a lot more about what's going on and about our own lives than we do ourselves at this point. But we're destined to join them. And everything we do has deep meaning for the eternity that we're headed toward, just like Moses and Elijah did. They only had one chance at it. It was a very short walk on earth, but look at Look where it led them, and forever. So there's a, there's a sense of us walking into eternity as with Jesus. He leads these two disciples, three disciples, excuse me, into a moment of timelessness. And for us, where is that moment of timelessness? It's at the Mass. When we pray, we are outside of time, in a sense. Um, we're very temporal, but we're outside of time because Jesus is here. And we find... God's will in the present moment, and this is our eternity. That's the only place we can really experience God is in the now. Make a big mistake in going beyond that. Peter makes that mistake very quickly. He gets so excited in seeing this because he's going out of his mind, as any of us would be. He says, well, let's get these three tents. These aren't pup tents you sleep in. These are religious tents like they use at the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tents. They have they brought up, apparently, these these tents to worship up there, and so they... They were going to put these things out, and Jesus is, <laughs> well, I don't know what Jesus was doing, but he probably gave Peter a look like, <laughs> I, if I were Jesus, I would have gone, how long are you going to leave me here with these people? <laughs> oh, he's, he's looked at me and said it many times, I'm telling him, when is this guy going to get a clue? You know, I've had everything but the angel Gabriel stand in front of me, and I wouldn't become a priest, so I'm, I don't know about Ty back here, but... Wait, wait till you read the story. It's embarrassing. Uh, but now here's God. God appears in a cloud. Well, he must have lived in Oregon, don't you think? Uh, 
What's the cloud represent? Faith. God will always appear in a cloud. The cloud represents the, as the, there's a book written in about the 5th, 6th century, the cloud of unknowing. There's, on earth we can't see God. The minute we see him, life is over because we're sucked right into eternity. To see God is to be eternal like him. So he hides himself to give us time on earth. He won't show his face. Even Moses saw only a part of God. And so he speaks from the mountain the cloud, and Jesus is bab- or excuse me, Peter's babbling away, and the father cuts him off and he says, This is my beloved son. The second time we're hearing this, first visit the baptism. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Peter's the only person on earth that we know of that was cut off by God and told to shut up. <laughs> Don't stop talking. It sounds like a parent, doesn't it? Stop talking. Stop talking and listen to your father. That's exactly what it is. Sometimes we talk too much to God. They're having a mountaintop experience. They want to stay there. I want to stay there. You want to stay there. When summer comes in Oregon, I don't want it to ever end. We'd be in a perpetual drought if God heard my prayers. But, you know, what I'm saying is not that I don't like the rain, but that I don't want the rain to come in my life. We all pray for and then to our cross, even Jesus did. There's nothing wrong with that. But they want to stay, and Jesus says to them, you, can't, you and I cannot stay here. I have something to go through. He doesn't have his wounds yet, you know. He has to go through life and then come back, and then we can live there. You and I have a place that God prepared for us for eternity, but we haven't been through life yet. What is life if we haven't shared something with someone that we love, especially suffering? We don't know if we love somebody until we can walk something difficult with them. Christ is giving us an honor by allowing us to be tried with the clouds when we can't see him and the rain and the darkness that will come to each life. We have these mountaintop moments when we need to remember because there'll come a time when it'll be a lot harder. It's like RCIA or priesthood or marriage or any other major commitment that we make in life. It's just not always easy. It's not going to be a cakewalk. We're not going to be seeing God in front of our eyes everywhere we go. Um, inside, yes. Outside, it gets tough. So we, they have this moment of glory, and uh, when they get down the mountain, it produces a lot of jealousy among the other nine. And Jesus makes it very clear to them, the person that's first is not who's seen the most, but who's served the most. So everything's upside down. Uh, and that's because we're fallen creatures and don't know what's important to God. The, uh, our time on earth is extremely valuable to us. We all want to get out of it in some ways to see back again above the clouds. But that will come when we're in eternity. Now we have to listen to God's voice and to be quiet so we can hear him. And as, as God said to Peter, so he says to us, this, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him.